Pittsburgh. I, by the way, I, I don't know what you think of the the Manning brothers broadcast of the Monday Night Football game. I enjoy it so much more when my team is not playing. It's been pretty fun with the guests mm-hmm. they've had. I think they're really good. I think it's really good. I think it's missing one element. Well, there's two you. things. It, although the promos they did for them make it seem like I'm on every week. I know. Well, I think you should be on. You'd be a great guest for that. I think it'd be fun. I'd want to. I I pitched that I want to be Peyton's butler, like like Paulie's <laughs> robot butler in Rocky Four. <laughs> like I'll just come in, and, and, you know, and like, uh, hey, you want a towel? Boom. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, those wings look like you're eating them a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, see, you got Peyton right here. And then, or, oh, Jim, look what's happening right now. He's going to go into the wings. He's digging right in. And here we go, Jim. Brandy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Frank Caliendo, he's going to be on with us at 8 o'clock today. His show's coming up December 2nd at the Carnegie uh, Library uh, at Homestead. You got it right. There's so many of them. I always <laughs> have to think about it. Carnegie was a busy man at the end of his life. We felt very bad about you know sending yeah. the Pinkertons to kill everybody's grandfather, so he gave us libraries. That's what it said in my history books growing Pretty up. Pretty nice consolation prize. Not so bad. Uh, Val on vacation this week, and uh, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Of course, packed house today. Brand new tune from the Common Heart coming up. Also, Gene Steratore, 745, the aforementioned Frank Caliendo. Cam Hayward on the show and Billy Gardell packed on this Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Weather-wise, what's going on out there? Harbaugh and severe weather center 11. All right, we're at 23 degrees right now. The director of the CDC is pushing hard to get more COVID booster shots in the arms of people over 18. Dr. Rochelle Walensky told reporters yesterday that full vaccinations and boosters will help end the long pandemic. She argued that there are still far too many unvaccinated people who are risking serious illness and death. New COVID cases are up about 18% over a week ago in the United States. It seemed like uh, the efficacy of the second shot clearly wore off for so many people Mm -hmm. right around the same time. And we are under a deluge of COVID cases. Once again, about 800 a day in Pittsburgh, which at its high point, when you think back to when we were like complete lockdown, if you were seeing numbers like 800 a day, you would have been like, oh, my God, we're just numb to it now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. You got to do the most you can to mitigate the spread. You, I know your family's been decimated by it, man. It's yeah, just... we uh, we're we've been on lockdown for the last couple of weeks, and it, it's kind of difficult because you know you snap back into that old feeling of like, oh no, how am I going to get groceries? What do I yeah. have to do? Am I making food for my kids in a mask without them in the room and then leaving the room so that they can eat? You right. know, when you're quarantining within a household. Which is what you just had to do. Yeah. It's it's tough. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. So uh, go get those boosters. And exp- how about this, though? This is some potential help on the COVID front. An experimental chewing gum might reduce the spread of COVID-19. Oh my God! Imagine if we just became a, a just a, a a race of people that are like you know a the, nation of Danny Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> the researchers at the University of Pennsylvania have developed a gum containing a protein that traps coronavirus particles. In trials, the gum cut the viral load in saliva samples by ninety five percent. That's ridiculous. The gum tastes and feels like conventional chewing gum. And can be stored for years at normal temperatures, so that's important, too. Uh, the scientists say the gum would add to the benefit of vaccines and be particularly useful 
in countries where vaccines aren't yet available or affordable. <laughs> so there you go. And all the third world countries where we usually ship them the uh, the loser of the Super Bowl T-shirts. Hey, you know, everybody's walking around like Clint Hurdle. So you got to do the Netflix employee uh, at the center of worker led protests over comedian Dave Chappelle's special is resigning. Tara Field is leaving the company and withdrawing an unfair labor practice charge she filed along with another former colleague. The pair accused Netflix of retaliating against them for organizing a company-wide walkout over Chappelle's special, The Closer, which transgender workers and allies criticized over transphobic and homophobic content. Netflix spokesperson says the company and employees have resolved our differences in a way that acknowledges the erosion of trust on both sides. Former SNL writer and cast member Peter Aykroyd is dead at 66. Aykroyd's passing is... Uh, well, it was announced on Saturday's show. The program aired a tribute to the late comedian in a short film that he had starred in titled The Java Junkie. Aykroyd joined SNL in 1979 as a writer and featured player. He earned an Emmy nomination during his time on the show. Aykroyd also played featured roles in Coneheads and Spies Like Us, as well as co-writing the film Nothing But Trouble with his brother Dan, Cause of Death Not Released. In other SNL-related news, I know you're as excited about this as I am. MacGruber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> MacGruber, too. MacGruber is getting a December launch date at Peacock after more than a decade. The comedy series, based on the Saturday Night Live character and 2010 film, will be released in binge format on the streaming platform. Will Forte will also reprise his title role in the series... MacGruber will take down a mysterious villain from his past after spending a decade <laughs> in prison. Uh, I mean, uh, it's so good. Kristen Wiig and Ryan Philippe. Is it Philippe or Felipe? Felipe. Also joined the cast as members of MacGruber's team. <laughs> Peacock posted an in-depth prison interview with the character ahead of the show's release on December 16th. Did you watch the in-depth prison interview with MacGruber? I, I watched the uh, the one clip where they used of him that it was a short clip i know that you had sent us a longer one there's a seven minute interview mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so funny i just love that character oh it's the best i don't know why i love it so much but they had additional foot he was in jail for human rights violations because he kept ripping the throats yeah, out of people right. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think it's it's not for everybody oh no like no, it no, is it a is very distinct uh taste of humor yes when Alex had Yorma Tacone do a viewing of MacGruber at Row House Cinema, and we went that night, that was Alex DePule, a local comic. Didn't that, he, didn't Alex have a tattoo of the license plate? KNBR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he saw Yorma Tacone, whose wife was directing the Mr. Rogers film here in Pittsburgh. He saw him at a restaurant in Lawrenceville or something, and he went up to him and showed him his tattoo, and Yorma was blown away. And so he basically talked him into doing that viewing of MacGruber. And Bill and I went. It was, a, I felt, I think, a little better about how much I loved the movie, knowing that there was a theater a community full of people, of people that loved it just as yeah. much. It's yeah. kind of like when those like weirdos who like to have sex with balloons found all of their compadres on the internet. They're yeah. like, I'm not the only one. It brings people together. Yeah, I, that's it had a, that sense of relief. Like, okay. Other people get this. If you've never seen the movie, whenever you hear us on the show say, guys, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's from. 
One of the best montage scenes ever. <laughs> the building the of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, oh, I don't want to spoil it no, for anybody just, out there, you, but the payoff is so good. By the way, hard R. It is a hard R. Oh, yeah. When he has sex with a ghost, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Iconic talk show host Jay Leno is set to play another. <laughs> I'm just picturing him. <laughs> <laughs> just over a grave, like a headstone. Uh, Iconic talk show host Jay Leno is set to play another late-night legend. Leno will portray TV personality Ed Sullivan in the film Midas Man, which is based on Beatles manager Brian Epstein. The Queen's Gambit actor Jacob Fortune Lloyd is set to play Epstein with the film touching on the explosion of the band in the 1960s. The Beatles made several appearances on The Ed Sullivan Show, with their first appearance seen by a then-record 73 million viewers. Man. 73 million. It's crazy. I don't know how Jay Leno becomes Ed Sullivan without it being a distraction. Right. Like, will they... Is um, he going to do the Ed Sullivan? I was thinking that's going to be out there. Hey, we got a really big shoe. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. Like, it, it would be easier for somebody to play Jay Leno because you could, yeah. you could install a prosthetic chin. Like they did in that movie, The Late Shift. Did you ever see that? Yeah. But how do you take away his chin? You can't. CGI? Well, maybe that he'll have green dots all over his chin when they film <laughs> yeah, it. And just just... The lower half of his chin. Hey, guys, these are uh, kind of sticky. <laughs> Sting <laughs> is opening up about his proudest accomplishment in the police, speaking to YouTube's foremost music teacher, Rick Beto. He said he's proud of the fact that their music doesn't sound like it's of any particular era. I guess that's true. He said this is especially true with their hit Roxanne because it resonates to, re resonates today as if it were a modern song. He noted a lot of their songs have the same impact, saying they're not rooted in time. Oh, yeah, they're timeless, I guess. Yeah. Timeless. I'll buy it. And Ringo Starr is diving into the world of teaching. The former Beatle announced he's teaming up with Masterclass for a course on drumming and creative collaboration. Oh, that's cool. The 10-part lesson features themes such as Drum kit essentials, playing with feel, and having <laughs> Paul come in and finish okay. the track for you. <laughs> okay, first lesson, if you're going to play the drums, do you have drums? <laughs> you're going to need them. It's just a big ruse for him to actually sell drums. Well, you're going to need these drums, aren't you? <laughs> uh, so you can get that to... It's the DVE Morning Show. Because of the COVID protocols, we can't have bands live in the studio which is why we came to visit our friends from the Common Heart in their place of recording, the church recording studio in Overbrook, where they're recording their upcoming album right now. But here with Clinton Clay of the Common Heart, you guys got a big gig coming up this weekend after Thanksgiving. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, we're really excited. Uh, we got Do Right Pittsburgh 2 coming. And uh, we're, we're at Mr. Small's Theater Friday night. Like, uh, and like Do Right is like the name of a, a, this is like an annual concert you want to have and, a, and more of like a, uh, a fundraising combination concert uh, experience. Exactly, exactly. We, we uh, really wanted to work with a local charity and just, you know, try to build something here, you know, hopefully make it an annual tradition um, where we're just trying to spread some positivity uh, within our home city. 
Uh, awesome. And who is the charity that this benefits this year? Big Brothers Big Sisters. Okay, and people can fi- find out on the website, Common Heart's website. Yeah, the, the, the commonheart.com has like all the information about the charity and about yeah. Cuz there's a coat drive and people should bring some extra coats to the show. Yeah, yeah. All right, and where can people get tickets for this show? And also at the commonheart.com. When's the last time you guys played in Pittsburgh? <sighs> Man. When is it? Stage A Oh, no. Well, Hartwood Acres. I don't know if that counts okay. as Pittsburgh technically. But. So for indoors, this is the first time in quite a while. It has been a while. All right. Friday night at Mr. Smalls. Get your tickets at the Common Hearts website. We'll link to it at dve.com. What are you guys going to play for us right now? We're going to play the song Do Right. This is pretty cool. Thanks to Dave Heideck and everybody here at the church. This is an amazing facility, man. Just outstanding. And uh, everything sounds great. Looking forward to uh, hearing the Common Heart Friday night. Check them out right now, live from the church on DVE.
Oh, man. How good does that sound? It's Live at the, the church. The Common Heart. This Friday, catch them at Mr. Small's. Get your tickets now for that show. It's going to be a blast. A great fundraiser involved with uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, too. You can catch that on the uh, Common Hearts website, and we'll link it to you at dve.com as well. We'll see you there Friday night at Mr. Small's with the Common Heart. They'll be back with us tomorrow doing a uh, half-week residency here leading up to Thanksgiving on the DV Morning Show. Hat trick. Yeah, we've got uh, Gene Steratore, Frank Caliendo, Cam Hayward, and Billy Gardell still to come. Mike's got sports now. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports are brought to you by Kia. Three to one Penguins in Winnipeg last night. Third straight victory on the three-game Canadian excursion through Montreal, Toronto, and Winnipeg. Yeah, the Jets got a goal and Tristan Jari's Shutout streak ended at 161 minutes and 33 seconds. That's uh, good enough to top Jonathan Quick for the longest such run in the NHL this season. Quick had a shutout streak of 154 minutes and 39 seconds from November the 8th through the 17th. Uh, But the Penguins, uh, stingy, just one goal allowed in three games and playing the right way by everyone's account. And according to Danton Heinen, who scored his Sixth goal of the season for the Pens last night. It turned out to be the game winner. According to Heinen, the Pens are also playing with confidence in their goaltender. Yeah, I mean, I think we've always had confidence in him. I think um, um, I think just timely saves are huge. Um, you know, like that breakaway in the in the third there when we need a big save. He's just he's been so solid, and um, it's awesome to see. And uh, super happy for him, and happy happy we have him back there. What are people going to bitch about now that the goalie's playing well? Oh, it doesn't matter to the playoffs. That's right. And when you're getting contributions from a guy like Heinen, who scored what? Like, I, I saw I saw a stat on Twitter last night. I think it was seven goals last yeah, year. It was single digits. I can't remember. In 43 exact. games, and he has six this year. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, first three-game winning streak of the season. First winning streak of any kind. All three in regulation and... Uh, maybe proof positive to the players that uh, what Mike Sullivan and his coaches are preaching works as long as it's executed. Yeah, you know, one of the things, we're, we're trying to get better every day. We're trying to get better every game. You know, it's nice to get to get a, a, a few wins in a row here to build some traction, to build some team confidence. I think it provides a lot of evidence for us that if we play a certain way, we can get consistent results. And so, you know, for me, that's that's an important aspect if we're asking our guys to play the game a certain way, you know, I, I think the, the buy-in certainly helps when you, when you get the results consistently. And, uh, and I give the players, you know, so much credit because they're competing out there. You know, they're competing hard. They're playing hard for one another. And I think when we do that, we're a competitive hockey team. Vancouver in town Wednesday night for the annual pre-Thanksgiving Drunk fest. Hockey slash drunk fest, (laughs) which I will be neck deep in. Yeah, that'll be a blast. Like we were saying last hour, the fact that everyone comes home for Thanksgiving, and for them, a lot of people, it might be only one. Their only um, game of the season. You know, two games they go to, or their Mm -hmm. only game, yeah. Maybe they catch one at Christmas or other than that, so uh, got that to look forward to. 30-10, to Buccaneers over the Giants last night on Monday Night Football. Another 300 Oh, yard game passing for Tom Brady. Oh, jeez. Mike Evans, too. Guy's remarkable. 72 I, touchdowns. 
the yeah. leader in the history of the Buccaneers yeah. franchise. Well, no AB, no Gronk. No, they had Gronk back last night. Oh, did he night. play last night? Mm-hmm. Steelers getting ready for the Bengals in Cincinnati on Sunday. Wanted to talk about the play calling a little bit this hour. That seems to be a much discussed topic. Uh, I'm still not a fan of the way Matt Canada's doing it, but I don't feel nearly as bad about what they tried to do against the Chargers this morning as I did yesterday morning. Let's take a look at that uh, failed goal line series, second drive of the game where they had a first and goal at the five. They ran Chase Claypool on a jet sweep, which is still running the ball. It's a little bit of an alternative to trying to play power football. It got three yards. That's a good play on first and goal at the five. So now it's second and goal at the two. Now they try Najee Harris on a traditional run, and he gets grabbed at the five-yard line and hit at the three-yard line and had to work his ass off to get back to the two for no gain. A couple guys got beat. Uh, J.C. Hassenauer got bowled over onto his back. If I'm calling plays and I watch that line play in that particular instance, I am not overflowing with confidence that I can keep running the ball All right. and anything good is going to happen. Fair point. Uh, so the third down, they try to fade the Chase Claypool in the corner of the end zone. Your big, allegedly physical receiver in a mismatch against a very good but a small cornerback. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Uh, looked like Claypool got pulled down. Asante Samuel, his dad, played in the league. He knows how to cheat already. There's the hand fighting in front of the play, <laughs> but he's got his other hand on the back of the shoulder, and he just gives it a good quick yank, and I think that's why Claypool fell down in that instance. I don't know why Claypool falls down in every other instance, but I think in that instance... He had a reason in that one. He was interfered with. It didn't get called. Uh, the fourth down thing was a disaster, and they should have known it was going to be a disaster because they had Pat Fryermuth lined up in the slot initially, and then they motioned him into the formation pre-snap. As they motion him into the formation pre-snap, Derwin James, who this just in is really good, is following Fryermuth. I think that's telling Bringing everybody. him right to the play. I'm one of the best defensive players yeah. in the league, and I got 88. So that wasn't going to work. They, that shovel pass And they've thing. seen that on the goal line before. They tried it anyway. Chukwuma Korfor got blown up. Uh, bad play call, bad execution, didn't work. Uh, the goal line series after the blocked field goal. This one had everybody screaming as well. Uh, the first play was a pass to Najee Harris. He's lined up in the slot. He's on a linebacker. It's an out route. It's a matchup he should win. He did win it. I think he didn't get his head around quick enough. And I only got one look at it in live. They didn't have a, a replay of this. Yeah. But I think it's a catch he has to make. And if he, if he catches the ball, it's a touchdown. Uh, he didn't, and it wasn't. The second one, this is the one where Ben, after the second sweep to Chase Claypool in a goal line situation, lost yardage. They tried the same play out of the same personnel group, out of the same formation, at the same spot of the field. I mean, it was the other end, but it was goal to go. Unreal. That's the one where Roethlisberger turned to the sideline and he had his palms up and he's bug out. <laughs> yeah. Really? Are we doing What this? are we doing yeah. here? Um, bad, bad play. The third one was a shallow cross to uh, Deontay Johnson. They had uh, Fryermuth and Claypool running routes into the end zone to clear it out. It was wide open. It got knocked down at the line of scrimmage. If it doesn't get knocked down at the line oh, of yeah, scrimmage, yeah. it's a touchdown. Yeah. And then the fourth down was interference. I mean, so should they have been running more traditionally there? I don't know. That first run, I think, 
scared off Matt Canada, I'm guessing, uh, the one in the first quarter where it just got blown up and Harris had to be Jim Brown to get back to the line of Well, scrimmage. you know, later he put a fullback in and just did it anyways. Not just the fullback, but two, Zach t- Banner. two tight ends, Zach Banner, uh, 72 is eligible, and the fullback. And then Harris dove over. He, he launched from the two and, and scored from the one. Um, maybe take a look at what that looks like, just trying to run the ball from a little further away in short yardage where he doesn't have to dive every time. It makes me a little nervous when he dives. I mean, I know it's worked a couple times. But well, I, you open yourself to a headshot and a fumble. Yeah. So, But um, my point is it's not like he's got 17 options that he knows are going to work. Canada. I'm comfortable blaming Matt Canada though, so I'm going to kind of like hang there for I'm a little gonna, bit. Yeah, if that's I'm okay. Oh, I am too. I wish I wish he would answer questions more directly, and we would know this stuff for certain instead of me speculating on it. Uh, last point: uh, Tim Benz is a big uh, anti-throw short of the sticks guy. A lot of people are. I think that gets. I'm going to disagree with Benzy on that. I think that gets over criticized. A lot of teams do it, and there were three instances: fourth quarter plays, third and five from the 41. Shallow cross to Deontay Johnson. He caught it two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Ended up being a 32-yard gain. And then the touchdown to Fryer was the same thing. He caught it two yards behind the line of scrimmage and got in the end zone. So it can work. I know. That one made me nervous, though. The one that Fryer scored on, I'm like, we threw it behind yeah. again. Well, that, worked, that worked because the core four and Kendrick Green got out and got their blocks. All right. The well, last play of the game did not work. He threw it 24 yards short of the sticks. Frank Caliendo coming up at 8 o'clock. Cam Hayward, 845. Lots to talk about with Cam. Uh, Billy Gardell in the 9 o'clock hour. And after this commercial break, Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore right here on the DV. Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Our next guest sponsored by Ireland Contracting and Southern Tiers Overpack. Mix 15 pack. Are you overpacked for game day? Huh? Are you? Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore from the NFL and CBS. Yeah. Gino, good morning. How good are morning, you? Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Rad. Good morning, guys. Good morning. All right, let's talk football first. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a couple Thanksgiving uh, uh, questions for you here. Oh, you have to. All right, first of all, you know, it seemed to me that there was a play that happened a couple of weeks ago during the Steelers game where this same scenario came up. Which penalty gets called? Because the Chargers jumped off sides. Ben gets a free play. This was after Bosa had jumped off sides already once, and it was like so egregious. I don't know if he made contact, but they blew it dead. They jump off sides again, so it's a free play. Ben throws the ball to Deontay Johnson in the end zone, who is clearly interfered with no call. Is it just carte blanche after the original one? Like, is it uh, a free-for-all and a free-for-all? Free yeah, <laughs> because it seems like that's happened twice to the Steelers in the last couple of weeks. It's not a free for all, and and you have to keep working the play. And and truthfully, you know, on the field when you feel the offside happen and know it's a free play, there there are things that trigger to you then, and that is that you know the quarterback is liable to throw a football into coverage or something like that because he knows he has the offside on the back end of it, right? So right. no, but you have to keep officiating the play, and uh, and they obviously missed that pass interference as you stated, and uh, you know. Then you give the the, the offense that option, uh, you know, of the of the two of the two fouls. We would have taken the would other one. Accept. We would have yeah. taken the pass interference. It would have been better. It would have been more <laughs> yeah. yards. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now another play that happened. Um, you know, Najee's direct hit to the head. There, I don't remember who it was that got him. I mean, that seemed pretty clear cut. And we're still at a uh, 
a juncture in the NFL where that's not something that the the league can go, hey, you guys missed this, and have like an immediate review, and somebody from upstairs calls down and tells them like, hey. He hit him in the head he, with his elbow yeah, on purpose. You missed yeah, this. Right. He hit him in the head with his elbow on purpose. I mean, because that's going to yeah. be a fine. You it's tough to miss that because, you know, it's only the star player of the game with the ball in his hand, so I don't know who would maybe mm-hmm. be assigned to look at that. Right. Well, listen, too, by definition, he's still a runner, so uh, even though the defenseless player rules don't apply to that, that, that blow and that, that delivery of that forearm shot to the head – that's been a foul forever. So that's not something that just came in the last four or five yeah. years, right? I mean, that that's this is just a, that's unnecessary roughness. Full stop. Uh, and and you're right. No, they're not going to weigh in on the play. And to be honest with you, at that point, when you have a runner that now has gotten to the second level, and and there's not a bunch of bodies in between uh, the two people that are involved in that, usually there's more than one one or two sets of eyes on that that player and that that action right at that time. So. You would accept so you would ex- expect something that big to uh, to draw a flag. You know that's that's definitely unnecessary roughness. Well, how do you fill in that gap, Gene? Should you be able to review a play like that, where if the play ends uh, results in a player getting injured, that you can challenge that, or if a review shows that 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 occurred, can you can you say, hey, can you take another look at this? You know, Billy, we're, we're, we're getting to a place right now where technology is taking us to the questions that you are now asking. And, uh, and I do believe that it felt like something like that happened in the Kansas City game. The NFL has made the statement this year that they are going to be able to assist on the field certain situations uh, that has expanded the use of technology and the use of replay. And those situations are are said to stay within the parameters of what would be reviewable in any time. Um, That play doesn't fall under the category of a reviewable play, so they should not be able to weigh in from upstairs, New York, the replay assistant or the official that's on site, or anything to that nature. The, The officials just have to get that play right. Now, there was a situation in the Kansas City game where there was a taunting penalty called for a for a bad act, it's just a, it's a bad. That's that's unsportsmanlike conduct. Pointing, he, po- he do Clyde Edwards Alary. Mm, whatever he may have been. Well, the point was one, but there was another where we had a bunch of people on the sideline and a scuffle happens, and now a Kansas City player comes away. I don't know if he's pretending to shoot a bow and arrow or something else, but his posture, what he did, his action is definitely a foul. But then they huddled the officials. And you could clearly see that a Cowboys player was grabbing the face mask of a Kansas City Chief player. And after the, the officials huddled, they made an announcement that after discussion, there is now also a penalty for a face mask in that play, which offset the taunting by Kansas City. That piques officials, and that piques the people that listen and read the fine print of what is allowable in replay, because basically that face mask penalty, although definitely there, and not called on the field was then created. Now, whether that, you know, I don't, you can say it was created because the officials on the field huddled and somebody within that huddle said, oh, by the way, that flag over there is not for the face mask. I saw a face mask and they did it on the field. Uh, but the way the referee prefaced the play, which is a catchphrase that, that usually now when they say after discussion, that means that someone else weighed into their ear and helped them. So that took us down another path, though. And if that is what they did, 
in the Kansas City-Dallas game, then your point is well taken, though. At what point do we do we put a, a lid on all of what can be assistable and what can't be assistable? And I don't think we want to go down that, that rabbit hole. You know, the sky judge, somebody officiating from upstairs when they see a blatantly misplay, can't they just, you know, weigh down real quick and say, listen, that's a hit to the head? Well, at what point do we stop that? Or, you know, what's not the big play? Or what's the big play? So we're, we're in a different area right now after a couple of scenarios I saw this past week relating to the assistance from people that are not on the field. Okay. Mm. Oh, let me ask you this about taunting. Uh, the Clyde uh, Edwards-Lair touchdown, he points at the defender, gets called for taunting. I'm trying to figure out the, the delineation here, you know, because I'm kind of like uh, Troy Aikman. You know, he, who said, you know, I'm all for this uh, emphasis on the taunting call, but I think they've gone too far. Far. It's like, well, which one is it? Are you for it, or do you think they've gone too far? Uh, <laughs> but if he would have just raised his hand straight up in the air going into the end zone, would that have been taunting? If he's looking Probably like not. looking at the guy and he puts his hand up in the air like, all right, he's not going to tackle me, I made it. Because yeah. we're well, asking the, the referees to be able to, to judge a whole lot of intent in those very emotional moments. You're so right, man. And then that split second of time. So instead of pointing directly at an opponent, which kind of makes it easier, and, and, and I don't mean this in a funny way, but makes it a little easier, you pointed at him. I can see you pointed at him. <laughs> if, you, if you put your hand straight up, though, as you said, Randy, is he... Is he just acknowledging the the fans, or yeah. is that him or is he, waving? He's taunting God. Taunting God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, look, I, I was. I, I very rarely do I seek empathy for the officials on this on this show, but in that case, I mean, imagine what goes through your head there if he does just put his hand up. Is it a wave toward his opponent? Is it just seeking recognition from the sixty thousand in the house? Right. You know, what, where where is that? And then. When I throw it, you know, or if I don't, then that's where we get into the discussions we're having. So uh, it would have made it more difficult if he just raised his hand to ask a question. Yes. <laughs> Gene, I, I respect <laughs> with every fiber of my being your stance on don't over-technologize the game and don't let replay, you know, infect it even more than it has. But if the Steelers-Chargers game was a Big Ten game, somebody would have buzzed down and said that was targeting on the uh, Najee Harris hit. And while I don't always agree with the college targeting calls, they seem to get it done in a pretty precise manner where if it's missed on the field, they'll stop, they'll stop the game and say, well, we're going to look at this up, 44 Oklahoma targeted, and then they move on. Like, I, I, think that's a, I, I don't think you can miss that call. I just don't. That it's Mikey, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm with you on exactly what you said, but and here's some frustrating things now, and, and I know this hit is extremely egregious, right? It, this is a penalty, but if you really think in the truest sense, which you have to now, by, by the college rule, that hit on Najee Harris does not fall into a targeting category. He is a runner. The only targeting that you can have on a runner, this is not a defenseless player, is leading and attacking with the crown of your helmet if you're the defense or the offense. So this was not leading with the crown of his helmet. This is a severe blow with your forearm driven into the head of a runner. So unfortunately, that play, and again, frustration, right? The, the audience doesn't want to hear all these little intricacies of what's reviewable or what isn't or fix it. 
But by its definition, that hit on Najee Harris is not reviewable in college football because it's not a target under the definition of targeting. My, my. Well, I mean, to the point, Gene, they, they, they go, see something yeah. that was missed and they correct it pretty quickly. They don't do that in college, though. Not just see something that can be fixed and do it quickly. If it falls in the category of targeting, yes, they do. And I have been a proponent of that from the moment they put this play in the NFL because of the speed of it, the safety nature of it, and, be, and because it can be fixed, as you said, and is being fixed in an expeditious way in college and in the right way, in my opinion. Those plays are too hard to officiate in real-time defenseless player. This play, though, that happens with Najee is a play that has to be gotten on the field. That's where we have to get to that place where the conversation is get better, get the play right. We don't need assistance there. But, but I'm with you on the reviewable aspect of illegal use of helmet and hits on defenseless receivers or what would be called targeting in college football by their wording. Those plays, to me, should be assisted with technology in a very expeditious manner without a formal review. I agree with you 100% on that. All right, Gino, Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, are you a white meat or dark, <laughs> white meat, or dark meat kind of guy? I've been a breast guy for a long time. Yeah, yeah I'm a white meat kind of guy. You yeah. know? But a little sprinkle of, of dark meat every once in a while. You know, you get a little more of the juicy side on the, on the dark meat. It's a, you know, sprinkle of dark. On it's good on the that. sandwiches because it stays moister longer, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Day three, day yeah. three. You yeah. go dark on day three, <laughs> and you know you don't have to go too heavy on the mayo and, and light on the salt. That day. Exactly. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, that's good for turkey tetrazzini on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> so you do turkey, not lasagna. No, we do turkey lasagna, Mikey. Turkey. Lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 Because yeah. <laughs> well, I know Bill's family in the Italian tradition on Wednesday night. Bill, you guys. Wednesday go. night is lasagna night. And uh, and we, we fill up on that. And then Thursday is a traditional Thanksgiving spread. I mean, that's, that's yeah, aggressive. Our table's divided in two. We divide it in two, kind of, where the left mm-hmm. half of the table is your traditional, you know, American type of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then the right side's overloaded with hot peppers and meatballs and lasagna and everything else. And then you wait to see who picks what, you know. And the elders used to stare to see what the new, re- you know, new visitors went to first, you know. And then they'd weigh it out and whisper for the rest of the year. Gee, do you, you cut know? your cranberry sauce with uh, an index card? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends on how the, if there's an if there's more people than we expected, then we get yeah. down into dividing it into smaller increments, and, uh, and we have to get a little more particular because it has to be distributed equally. Oh, it's got to so, be. You know, it's got to be equal. Yes, yeah. No favoritism in an officiating family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you have a great holiday with your family. It's always a pleasure uh, to hang out with you here on Tuesdays. Thanks as uh, as always, Gene. Stier- from the NFL on CBS. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank, thank you, guys. And this is the anniversary of the index card game this Thanksgiving. The last time the Cowboys and oh, Raiders boy. played, it was the index card game. So maybe we'll get a little extra index card fun here on Thursday, uh, much to the demise of Jack Del Rio. <laughs> Gino, if you would start autographing index cards and put them on eBay, you'd have a whole Oh, other- yeah. Uh, you want to have to sell toilet paper. I need a new agent. Yeah. I need a new agent, guys. Here we go. I'm in. Have a happy holiday. I'm in 30%.
30, Mike. 30. You're out, Mike. Billy Arthur. Billy said go for 15, so you're already out. Mike. I appreciate the offer. Gene Steratore brought to you targeting, by Ireland Mike. Contract and Southern Tears Overpack Mix 15 Pack this morning on DVE. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays.